Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft. We have both encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 25, where we're going to talk about providing customer service. And this week, we're with Steven and Martina. How's it going, everybody? Martina, would you like to go first? I guess Martina, really. I mean, It's going good. Steven's I'm excited last. to be back on. Starting the new year off right, I feel. We have not had a guest in a while, and you are our, you're, you're a three-peat guest. I know. I'm the only one, too. Yeah. So is it a hat trick now? I think in I don't I think in bowling it's called a turkey. It's a turkey in bowling, but it's a hat trick in hockey. I don't know, you're the one that knows hockey. hockey. No, he's remember he's from the Midwest where they have nothing else to do but watch corn grow. Hey. (laughs) They turn their cornfields into That's some exciting stuff. It is. It is. Remember, I'm from Tennessee. We take corn that's grown and then turn it into delicious clear liquor. Oh, my, my stomach just hurts just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Martina, you've got all the wine you could ever want within this what? Is, like an hour or two hours? Um, we grow wine in the city I live. It's not oh, the wow, best okay. wine, but Napa, like the big region, is yes, about a three yeah. hour drive. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, I've never heard of delicious Fresno wine. Oh, yeah. So the college here is like a viticulture college, and it makes wine, and it's probably the worst wine I've ever had, which is hilarious. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like toilet wine. It's real classy toilet wine. Exactly. Oh, God. So what are you watching this week, Martina? I started the Romanoffs last night. Oh, I've watched that. I'm only episode one in, but I'm sucked in already. Well, and it, so. if I recall correctly, the characters kind of change every episode. That's what I've understood about it so far. That the which is, it's kind of strange because it's you start with one person that's supposedly a descendant of the Romanovs, and then the next episode is the story behind a different descendant of the Romanovs, and that's. That each episode they change the descendant. Got it. Okay, I'm so confused. I've never heard of this show or it's probably on, seen um, it. Amazon Prime. It's one of the Prime TV shows. I think there's only a few episodes. Mm. There's not a lot. I haven't seen yeah, that it's one. Just one season. Okay. See, I'm waiting for Sneaky Pete to come back on. That's a great Amazon show. I never That's watched that one. It's good. It's about a con artist. I've seen the previews. I've just never watched the show. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yep. But I did start watching a show that you watched, which is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, that Brooklyn show is Nine-Nine. funny. Yes, I it love is. that show. And it it just keeps getting better. It's like most comedy shows. The first season, I think they're trying to work out 
the character relationships and also work out the writing patterns that they're going to use, like how they write each character and develop the character over a season. So it, it does get better and better. I do like the captain the best right now. He is. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. Martina, are you a Brooklyn Nine-Nine person? I haven't seen it. What? I know. I actually, I've been told I don't watch a lot of TV, which I feel like I do, but... I just put it on in the background half the time while I'm working on other stuff. That's true. Oh. That's true. See, that I mean, I've watched so, so much. I've watched so much Brooklyn Nine Nine that I don't have to actually watch it. I can just listen to it and know where I'm at. Yep, yep. So uh, I got into the Travelers, the last season of the Travelers, or I guess most recent season of the Travelers. It's a Netflix show about a very like dystopian future that's. Like, it's it, the world is in, like, sheer chaos, and everybody lives in these, like, giant dome things. So, a artificial intelligence robot sends back consciousness from, like, con- people in the future that he sends their consciousness back into someone that's about to die in the past. And then they take over that person's body and try to fix major key points in the timeline and the timeline's basically the last couple of years to make sure that the world doesn't end in like sheer chaos. It's really good. But you have to really follow the show to kind of figure out exactly what's going on. And at the times, there, even if you follow it really well, you can't exactly know what's going on. Is that the one with the guy from Will and Grace? It is. It is, it is Will from Will and Grace. Okay. I've seen the first episode of that. Okay, it's really good. It's got three seasons. Um, maybe three, four? I can't remember. Uh, whatever the most recent season is the one I watched this week. We basically binged watched it in like three days. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been... That's the one I watch. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the one I watch when my wife isn't watching TV with me. Because <laughs> she probably hates it. She... I think she'll watch it. But usually we're trying to finish up The Handmaid's Tale so I can mm. catch up to her. So that's what we've been watching together. I get into that one. How could you not it get into so it? It is so messed up. It's it's crazy, but it's crazy good. It's crazy good, but it is like batshit crazy. Apparently, it's based on this like this book called The Handmaid's Tale. I didn't really, I didn't even know it was Which a book. Is, I just started watching the show, and I thought the show yeah. was amazing. It's a book. That's a compilation of history. A compilation of history? What do you mean? So different different things that have happened in history that she has used and combined into this book. So it's kind of like a historical fiction sort of a thing. In a Taking way. real historical events but playing them out in a different circumstance. Yeah, kind of. Like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter or whatever, like... Well, you I, know, Abraham Lincoln was a real guy, clearly. Yeah, but I, I think this could, this is more like something that you could actually see happening, which is the scary part. Yes, yes, I can. It's real weird. Which is why when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is more terrifying because I could see people actually thinking that this is a good idea. Yes. Which is scary. It's very scary. But anyway. All right, we, we we're delving into 
uh, how to provide customer service, I guess, proper customer service. And I think it uh, goes back to a to something that had happened with Martina earlier this week. Do we want to start there, or do we want to just go like broad and then kind of funnel down? I think we can go broad. I'm sure um, everyone's had issues just trying to figure out how to run their small business and how to deal with customers and how to adapt to different customers and their needs. So we can just do it broad. Okay. Well, and the way we get customers is fairly different. Yeah, we all because have a different we all three business do way approach. Different things. Because yeah. none of mine are local, typically. So I'm always dealing with shipping. Yeah. Whereas Martina deals with deliveries. Right. So... It's, and you also do like home you do a lot of home interior like full scale home interior it's not just i'm building a piece of furniture and that's it right so then there's in home design consultations too so i have to do a lot of driving so um but you go in there and kind of walk through the space and figure out what they should do with their space what they want to do with their space and then what we can physically provide or kind of outsource getting them those things yeah so you're more like a full-on design studio. I'm trying. That's why That's why one of my goals was kind of the new logo and rebranding because I feel like with the name and the logo, it's just really locked us into like, oh, you only build furniture. And it's like, but we're more than that. So it's one of my goals this year to kind of rebrand ourselves so people know what we're about a little bit better. Does that mean you're changing the name too? No, I think it's in, like the Instagram handle is Naughty by Nature Woodworking, and I think it's just going to get switched to Naughty by Nature Designs, so it sounds like a little bit more broad, and then once someone gets pulled into the website, they can see all the different aspects of our brand. Yeah, makes sense. K- KBN Design Build. Something like, yeah, it's something, yeah. KBN Interiors. It's week one of January, though, so I feel like I've already made progress by switching out woodworking in my mind to design, so. So my thought earlier this week was we all set these goals, right? And all these other people are setting their New Year's resolutions, like going to the gym. So is it going to be like the New Year's resolution where the end of January we're like, yeah, we're done. And we just stop. Um, Well, that's why I set goals and not not resolutions. I felt like the goals that I set were more achievable than a resolution to like change my lifestyle. And that's what I did. Which is why you do smart goals and not unrealistic goals. Like, well, if I set, I'm going to go to the gym every day. We all know that's not going to happen. But (laughs) I don't know if if you've ever gone to the gym. Like 10 years ago. But that's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) If I set the goal of I want to make this project and the project only takes five hours or something and I have an entire year to do it. I'm more likely to get it done than going to the gym every day for an hour. Very true. But the thing is, is you have to understand to make the gym really work for you. It's like just about anything else in life. You have to do it for consistently for six weeks. Now that's not every day for six weeks. That might be like two or three times a week, but do it, six weeks consistently and then you've patterned yourself it's it's automatically wired into your brain most projects don't take six weeks and even if they do oh, you're doing God. something different every day <laughs> uh, my cutting boards take six weeks well 
You know, some people's stuff on IG, I swear it takes them six weeks because they post about the same thing for six weeks and just find different ways to post about it. Oh, I just get distracted and I move on to something else. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should go back and finish I still that. have projects that are like three years old that I never finished. I, I was supposed to build them. a dining room table uh, three, four years ago. Still not have a dining room table. It's because you're using hand tools. Honestly, I could have bu- I could have built one. He ran out of oil to run his lamps at night so he can work on his dining table. You know, it's it's very hard to find whale oil mm. nowadays. It's very difficult. <laughs> they don't they don't sell it. They sell walrus oil, but that doesn't burn the same way. I, you know. I love that stuff. I do too. I just love giving you crap. Well, duh. I mean, I love giving you crap too. That's that's why we make good podcast co-hosts. That's very true. It's a little it's a little back and forth. It's like a it's like a um morning radio show, you know. So what you're saying is we both have the looks for radio. No, I've got actual I've got pretty good looks. I've got pretty good looks. No comment. <laughs> Just so over here silently my tooting wife my had horn. It heard a podcast until the first episode i was on with you guys and she's like so you just sit and talk for an hour mm-hmm. oh said, wow yeah she's like wow oh and i was like i'm sorry, I'm sorry i feel I'm so undermined you. now i'm like i just feel like, like i totally feel cut down <laughs> but she's so not it's just wrong you three talking about like whatever you want i'm like yeah and she's like and people listen to that i'm like you can stop don't be mean so this morning when i told her i was doing another one she's like oh really <laughs> you know what we should have her on just for that i really oh. think i really think she would be quite interesting because when she's so, in your stories they're they're always hilarious now most of your stories are hilarious just because there's a lot of just random things that happen to you trevor doesn't know because he just started following me last night oh yeah by the but, way bad, you know what bad friend bad friend hey now i thought i was but now <laughs> but that this has come up i feel like stuff. unfollowing just to keep it going uh, so he'll send me stuff all the time watch my youtube video read my outline do this for me and i'm like this yeah. this guy wants me to do so much for him and i can't even get him to follow me so. because because i thought i already was and i never yeah. paid attention <laughs> um i'm kind of curious so amanda actually is a district manager for um a retailer so i'm kind of curious what she would say for the customer service thing so she does have a different perspective with how to deal with customers than I do as a small business owner. And then coming off of the ambulance too, like we had no choice but to deal with everyone that we encountered. So the customer service aspect, like my background with it is completely different. The thing is, is, I mean, as, as someone who, you know, who has kind of been in that realm, uh, it's not necessarily customer service. It's, it's more like, if I'm not here, you may die. So I'm forced to be here, and you're forced to be here. It that still doesn't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> We're both forced into this. Right. Don't make it any worse. Oh, I'm I'm sure she got the calls like, oh, you know, it's an emergency, and then they get there, and it's like just some lady that is terrified of getting sick or something. Like, I've met people that anytime they have a cough they think they need to call the ambulance that's legit that is that is 100 percent legit oh there's so much lag 
I don't know what you just said. You just liked your whole story. Okay, so basically what he was saying was that he's he he can probably guarantee that there are many people that have called and said I'm basically dying because they have a cough because there are that many, you know, that many people out there like that. Oh, it takes a it took a lot for me to like actually like get worked up and say, "Oh man, this is an emergency." Especially after doing it as long as I did. So it's like nothing shocks you anymore, like whether or not it's an emergency or not. And then, but that could be a whole nother hour of conversation. <laughs> that, that's that's true. That's a whole different type yeah. of customer service. Yeah. So, so how about we get into the, you had a lot of responses on your story about customer related items. Do you want to start with those? So I had um, put on my stories asking for how people deal with, like per, provide customer service being a small business owner being a maker and um and then i'd also put on there how you if you don't mesh with the client what do you do from that point so i got a lot of the same responses um and then i got some good responses that kind of made you evaluate how you're handling things and not how the how the client is Mm -hmm. um but a lot of pe- like a lot of people said that you're pretty much just going to have to mold to whatever client comes your way if you want to make money and do business with them. So is that worth it to you in the end? I think there is a balance because yeah. there's there's a difference between you know a needy customer that's willing to pay the price to be a needy customer. If that makes sense. Like, they're willing to pay for your work. They just expect a lot more because the price is higher due to the work. Right. And then there's the people that they are, they like your work, and you tell them the price, and they're like, oh, that's way too much. Will you do it for whatever? And then they're needy on top of that. I've had both. And I've seen your prices. (laughs) Hmm? I said, well, yeah, I've seen your prices. So. <laughs> there's definitely hey an extra level of customer service with your prices. Yes. Well, there's a ton of detail. Yeah. But well, there I have been that's... people that, you know, they they want it, and then I tell them a price, and I've had people say, okay, I'm good with that. And then they come back and want, like, 10 design changes. Right. Even though it's their logo. I'm like... Mm-hmm what do you want to change about your own logo at this point? So I think that's um, something that in the end, like if your customer's following along with you on the build with Instagram or whatever social media you're, you put your work on, or even if you're just like photo updating them, like every couple of weeks, I think in the end they understand it, but it's that initial explanation of like, this is why I'm charging you this much Mm -hmm. because I need to go and source the materials. So I have to physically drive to whatever place and pick up the materials for you, you know, load them up, unload them, come home. And then I'm working, you know, eight hours a day on your project until it's done. However many weeks that takes. And then trying to explain that. And then when they, I think they're, 
once they see the final product and they see how detailed it actually is, it's completely different than here's my little either sketch up or hand drawn sketch of this is what I can do for you. And it's just two dimensional and it doesn't look like anything. But then when they see the final product, they're like, man, this did take a lot of time. And I understand what I paid you for now. That's the hard part of communi- communicating it to them. Yeah, and It's I, like, trust me, it'll look good is not always enough for them. I think you hit on an important part is if you share other things you make on Instagram or whatever, and you share the whole process of one product and they see that, that definitely goes a long way. Right. Because when I'm doing like a sign and I share that assembly process video that I normally do for every sign and people see how I do it, that the first time I shared that, that completely changed what people thought of like the quality of placement because some people thought I just randomly stuck the letters on there close to where they needed to be they didn't realize that it's an exact placement right which Even takes like time the amount of time you spend layering your paint because like I was telling you in the video that you're getting ready to post your MDF is so clean looking that it looks like acrylic so that's you know time and steps and you know, spraying a layer of paint and then letting it dry, doing it again and everything like that. That takes time. Yeah. And that's really one thing that I haven't communicated, which is the whole paint process. Cause it's what's uh, six layers of both paint or shellac or finish with sanding in between everything. So it takes a considerable amount of time. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to necessarily give away that exactly what it is that you're doing, because I mean, I mean you have you have worked these steps out quite a while over time. Because remember, I saw some of your original oh, yeah. signs, and I know what the paint looked like on them versus what you're putting out you mean, now, and the paint on that. You mean like a like I would have painted as a child, probably? No, I mean <laughs> you did better than that. But back whenever you used to, you know, you would have to you would spray paint in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And if it was a hot day, you had to, like, make sure that you kept the bugs away from it. Because if not, they would land in it and get stuck oh, real yeah. quick. Yeah. So, so just like, by I've moving, I solved the bug problem. No, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's too hot for bugs to exist. They fly up it's into the sunlight. Right and they, just they, just get eva- they just get evaporated. He just has to worry about scorpions now. That's true. And rattlesnakes. Yeah. I don't I think rattlesnakes like paint. The desert desert part of Vegas, like, not the suburban part. Well, I mean, they don't actually... I haven't seen them in the neighborhood. Okay. But they are in they the exist. area. They exist. Don't worry. <laughs> he does exist. They do exist. <laughs> so, um, I'm curious because, Trevor, all your client relations are through email, basically, right? Because you do everything shipping. You very rarely work with people that are in town with you. So, it is all done through direct messages or email. Yes. So how do you provide customer service then? Is it just very like kind of auto response of what do you want? Okay, this is my pricing. This is my completion date. Or do you try and um, try and work with every customer specifically and kind of go the extra mile with each customer? So every customer is different. So I don't have, like I have starting pricing so if somebody says, 
hey, I'm interested in a sign. How much do they cost? Well, that's a very broad question because there's a multitude of materials. There's multitude of sizes. If they have two paint colors versus 15 paint colors, it's a huge range. So each customer, I always start with like the same kind of generic, you know, they start at this price and then they go up based on these criteria, but I'd be happy to take a look at your logo and do a quote specifically for your design. And then each, from there, each customer is dealt with differently. And it's the pricing itself is they all fall out to be similar to each other, but they're all handled as if they're one-offs. You, you basically, so what you're saying is you basically have a base rate. That's the cheapest you could make a sign, super mm -hmm. simple, two-color paint scheme or something like that. Very, very simple. And yeah. then it goes up from there. Um, and that's basically that's very similar to how I would do it. Um, for smaller things like these live edge charcuterie boards that I do, I know generally what my time's going to be in them um, because they've kind of started kind of batching out, and that's so I can figure out what kind of time I've got in them minimally. The you know the wood cost is relative most of the time, depending on the species. Sometimes I can get cherry for next to nothing. Other times I'm paying up for cherry. Um, one I've got in the works right now is olive wood. So I know how much I paid for it. It was like 12 bucks a board foot for that. Well, it's because it's shipped in from overseas. We don't really have olive trees in America. But it's also, I mean, they were, I think whenever I bought them, they were huge. Most of the, most of the time, it's very narrow wood, and I bought bigger, like, slabs of, of olive wood. So, yeah. I mean, that's automatically going to change the price right there. And a piece that normally I'd sell for forty bucks, I've got sixty dollars in materials, mm -hmm. just based on size. Um, so that's generally how I do it. But you know, I'm similar to you, Martina, in that I would like to talk to someone face to face um, and discuss the plans, discuss what they want. Now, if it's something simple like these charcuterie boards, where it's like, hey, I just want something roughly this big, this thick, and if I'm lucky, they'll just say, pick a wood. And they won't, you know, they don't specify what it is. And I can just find something in the stack and, and go from there. Um, so sometimes I do it that way for really simple stuff. But over, overall, I really want to see what it is that I'm going to do and talk with them through that. Because I want them to know the process that it takes to get there. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get my big furniture restoration job, you know, a few months ago. I think I talked about it on the podcast. It was just more than more than he and her husband or she and her husband could afford um but you know it was a lot of materials and i explained that to her i said most of your cost is in materials i can't i can't make anything to match this level of, of furniture i can't make a matching piece without this quality of material i just can't do it someone else might be able to do it cheaper than i can and i told her that but i said you're not going to have the level of quality in the piece and you may have a yeah. piece that falls apart. I said, I don't. I want something that I'm taking a heritage piece from you that belonged to your great grandmother. Some someone had got in her family. It was very old, and build something matching to make it a heritage piece for her grandkids. Yeah. So a furniture restoration, I have to see the piece. Building a custom something, I have to. I have to talk about it in person. But for other things, I do it, you know, I do it over, 
over email. But I, I'd say more often than not, I'm more on the Martinez side of things in that I talk face-to-face or, or at least go and do a consult. Yeah. that's. I think I've run into that issue a lot if I don't go to someone's house or to go measure the space specifically. And their concept of dimensions and measurements is just completely off so i don't want to spend the time building a custom piece of furniture that they're not even going to be able to fit through their doorway ever well that's so that's one thing i've seen is so people will ask me what size something's going to be and because it's designed on the computer i can give them the exact dimensions Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's even you know it's 11.5 inches tall and 23.25 inches wide and then they get it and they're like this is smaller than i thought I told you the exact dimensions. You, you've got to own a tape measure somewhere. Like almost every house has one. So, so I, I don't, I don't really. So people want the dimensions, but they never do anything with that information. They never actually, you know, pull out a tape measure and put out that, you know, length, and then actually look at how big that is. Most people don't have good spatial reasoning. I'll go ahead and say that right up front. Having built enough furniture and restored enough furniture, oh wow, okay, sorry, alarm. Um, they just don't have good spatial reasoning. Well, it's funny you say or bring that up because that was actually part of my thesis when I was in college was Ooh. spatial ability and spatial reasoning. Well, look at you, Mister Fancy. So Pants. it was, but it was like we did tests where people like look at a design on two D paper. And then you're supposed to say what the 3D design would look like. And like 70% of the people failed the test. It definitely brings up that people, even if you give them dimensions, they have no concept of what that actually means. And I've even had people say, well, how big is that? Like, it's what I just told you. Like, and I recommend, I'm like, why don't you get a tape measure? And put that out on the tape measure and see how big that is and see if that's going to fit. And then you have people that are woodworkers and you say, yeah, it's going to be this big. And they're like, well, the space I have is, you know, exactly 18 inches, but I want space on either side. So I better go down to, you know, 16 or whatever. So you have the gambit of people that have no concept of size and then people that know so much about it that if you tell them the sign's 11.5 inches tall and it comes out to be 11.45 inches tall, they have a problem with it. I've actually heard from other makers that have had issues with selling merchandise on Etsy with situations like that where the client said, you said it was going to be this size and it turned out to be this size instead. And so that's really hard to communicate. Well, this is custom and there's everything's different and I can only do so much because I'm not a machine. I mean, that's I've had that problem on Etsy too, where I made a keychain and it said in the description how big the keychain was. And then their review was a one star and it said it was bigger than I thought. (laughs) That's why I don't sell on Etsy. I, I quit. I haven't really paid attention to my Etsy in a year. Yeah, I don't know how to even close. I don't know how to close my Etsy down because I have you nothing. You can go on it. vacation and it doesn't yeah, close never, it, but it like, makes it so you can't get sales. Yeah, you. Never I never had any like sales to begin with. Shut it down. Speaking of which, uh, I actually need to go on vacation on Etsy because I'm just paying fees for no sales. Yeah. Um, so with filling up space, 
So when we built my mom's house, she is a very visual person. So trying to explain to her, this is going to be, you know, 18 inches by 24 inches or whatever. Because her house is, she has a tiny house. It's 330 square feet. So Dang. we had to be able to. Oh, that um, is very small. Oh, yeah, it's a casita. So, I mean, she has a kitchen in there, a bathroom, and then she needed like her living space slash bedroom. So to figure out how to get everything in there we had to physically go out there and tape off everything once they poured the slab so she can understand like this is how big 330 square feet is and this is what you can fit in there like this is where your bed has to go in order for you to have a kitchen or in order for you to have certain items in there but some it's just hard for some people to not to be able to picture what size is and i think that's what makes it a little bit easier for me if i go and do a consult because sometimes someone has like this three thousand square foot house and they're like yeah i'm just fine with this console table being two feet tall by four feet long i'm like but your wall itself is 24 feet long like why like let's fill the space a little bit more yeah yeah i'm looking that makes right, sense. i'm looking right now at the back living room wall and it's basically just doing a quick rough thing mine's probably between 15 and 20 feet well i don't know exactly where, where it is but based on how big the fireplace is in the center and it's pretty well it's like one third blank fireplace one third blank that fireplace is roughly five six feet wide based on the mantle i feel like we have a secret resume skill now after being a maker it's like you can just look at something it's like oh that's about six feet and then you go get your tape measure out and it's like oh that's 70 inches. I'm not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how how that happens. You know who's really good at spatial reasoning? Golfers. Mm. Yeah. Golfers, especially that. golfers that play a lot, they they can they know how long a hole is and they know how far they hit a golf ball and they can figure out all day long 50, 100, 150 feet. That's super quick to them as to okay, I can point out here somewhere and that's roughly 150 feet i can't do that far <laughs> as a sur as a surveyor as a surveyor yeah. i used to do that all the time because all of most of our in intervals were like 50 feet so that was roughly 20 not long paces but kind of 20 normal like paces yeah i worked at a golf course for like a summer and they let you golf for free if you worked there yeah, that's and why it got my to the point high school. <laughs> where from working there and then golfing there, I'd get to a hole and be like, "That's about 150 yards." And then I like turn to my left, not knowing, and there's a stake in the ground that has the yardage marked on it. And you're like, "Hey, not bad." I was like a yard off. Yeah, but you do get really good at, you know learning the size of things just based on projects you've done because then you can kind of think in your mind okay i built a table that's four feet long in that space i could probably fit two of those so it must be about eight feet and so you always have some unit of measure that you're used to or that you have experience with and then you can kind of just stack them on top of each other and i do the same thing for as odd as it sounds i do the same thing for like tipping at a restaurant because I always start, well, think about it. Because no matter what your total is, figuring out 10% is easy. That's simple. You just move the decimal place one point. Exactly. Done. So then, if you're trying to figure out 15%, which people always have trouble with, start with 10. Take half of that and add it back to the 10. The thing is, you if you're trying to, do you're trying to tell head. people... 
to do elementary math, and most adults cannot do elementary math. True. Trust me, I've been I've been out to dinners with plenty of people that have no idea how to do tip. Oh, don't worry. Now that they're teaching the common core method, they're oh God, getting even worse. It's, it's, I said, it's like, I do math every day, and I'm still like, oh my God, math is hard. Like, because, you know, <laughs> depending. Okay, so well, you're talking to, you're talking to somebody easy with to mess a, up. It's easy to mess up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. If you're not, like, really paying attention to what you're doing, oh, or, yeah. like, you're holding your tape measure up down, it's like, oh, it says 35 inches, and then you go and you're like, wait a minute. That was actually 53 inches. Like, I just had a dyslexic moment. And then you totally ruin your cut or whatever. So Measure twice, cut once. Or in the real maker world, cut and never measure. I may or may not have done that last week. Or in the old school furniture way, never measure, just use a story stick. There you go. That's it. It's simple. You know that when I was building the cabinet for the laser to sit on, I measured the two walls and the top and bottom really well and put that together and then every panel from there on out was measured on the fly and done on the fly because i wasn't going to cut all of the panels ahead of time and then hope they all fit together i cut to fit nope. after the fact that's nope. how i do it all the time yeah every but a lot of people don't make. and i don't understand that like there's no way the, no matter how good you are yeah you're just a 16th of an inch too short now you know yeah. what i mean and like, then you got to go buy new material so and your table saw doesn't have a micro adjust in most cases where it's like you can adjust you know a 30 second of an inch it just doesn't right. happen you're just trying to give the fence a little tap it's tap like and you're off yeah so and then and then uh, you go and it ends up three inches to the left yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like depends how cold it is out there like how easy yeah. your fence moves and everything or how frustrated so, you are right so do you, either one of you, do you say no to clients? Yes. Well, ever, or <laughs> <laughs> if it, and then pretty much what's your reason? Is it because you are unable to do it or because it's not what you want your brand to be? So both. Both. Yeah, I was going to say both. The... I mean, there's certain things that I just, I literally can't do. I don't have the access to it. So I've had people recently ask me if I would build a like storage cabinet for their garage. This was like a couple months ago. And I'm like, look, I mean, I can do it, but I don't really do that stuff. Because right. A, for me, it's so time consuming in comparison. So the laser, I do a lot of design work, but the design work I can do anywhere. I can do it during my lunch break at work. I can do it for, you know, an hour when I wake up. It doesn't require me being in the garage and using power tools and waking people up. So when I run the laser, it can run while I do other stuff. If I take on a project like that, which is more like what you guys would do, which is, you know, building a piece of furniture or whatever, there's a lot of time commitment to be able to sit there and cut everything and you can't leave it and make it do itself. If that makes sense. Like it's not like the laser where it can run without you. Right. There's so, no such thing as an automated table. saw. so when I, yeah. So when I oh, went yeah. through that, I was like, look, you know, I could do it, but right now I just don't have the time and I can recommend somebody that's in your area that can do it. Cause they were local. 
And I said, you know, there's people here that can do that for you. Um, but at this time, I just can't help you out. So I tried to be upfront. It's way off branch for you. For someone you... to reach out to have a sh- like Well, it's a because I build like a... So actually, there's another one. When I was building that laser cabinet last weekend, mm-hmm. somebody drove by my house and stopped. And I was like, that's really weird. They got out of their car, came to talk to me, and said, oh, do you build kitchen cabinets? <laughs> and I was like, You're no. You can't pay me enough I was like, that. I, I <laughs> built this cabinet for my garage, but I don't really, I'm not going to build cabinets. She's like, well, could you do it for me? I was like, no, like that's that's not what I do. I was like, can I build one? Yes, but I, it's so much time, and that's way off brand for me. You'd you'd be better off basically handing them off to a a good cabinet person. I mean, that's what I said. I was like, people, you're better off with a cabinet shop. Casework, millwork shops. I mean, that's the only thing they do. They don't build custom yeah, they furniture. Have science. And to me, like, I mean, I'll share shop projects on my IG because they're still part of my brand. They're still being used for my stuff, even if it is a cabinet. But it's. Like if I all of a sudden started building kitchen cabinets, people would be like, "What are you doing?" Right. That's that was the oddest one I've ever gotten by far, <laughs> I and get it just happened all the time when I have stuff in the driveway. Um, yeah, that's what I was trying to explain to someone the other day. I don't um, refinish furniture often, um, and if I do it, I very rarely post it because I don't mm-hmm. want to get inquiries for it. So I'll put it in my stories, like this is what I'm working on. But stories also expire after 24 hours, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So I feel like it's no big deal. But I just redid a whole bedroom set, and then I'm like, that will never get posted because that project took so much effort that I don't want to do it again. So, mm-hmm. but that's there's just, it's hard to say no to certain jobs that you know that yeah, you're agree. capable of doing I mean, that's... and then you make money doing it but you well, want to stay you, true to your then brand. you get the people that like they they get a quote from you and they're one of those walmart pricing people yeah that or they're the worst the pinterest pricing people uh... <laughs> you could build this whole uh, like, dining swear, table for 35 dollars. i swear pinterest pricing is worse than walmart pricing at this point because they see this post, build this entire dining room set, $100. Yeah. But then they think that equates to, somebody will build me this for $100. Not realizing that $100 is, most cases, doesn't even cover the material, depending on the region. I have never had one of the Shanty to Chic or Anna White builds total what they post their project me would, like that project would be i've but built some of their pe- stuff before and it never yeah. comes out to that price but i don't think clients understand that pricing changes by region mm-hmm. you know what i mean so something that i'll build for you know say 25 dollars here is going to cost steven you know maybe 15 dollars and you 35 dollars like yeah so well that's when i moved here the price of a piece of plywood for that cabinet. So South Carolina, I could get plywood for like 35 bucks, I think, a sheet. Here, that must the, be nice. The cheapest yeah, one. Yeah, cabinet, cabinet plies. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not the greatest cabinet ply. It is AB well, no. ply. But, but it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely no A1 or B1. It's like an A2 yeah. and a B3. And then you come here, and it's the minimum price I'm paying is $50. Yep. Yeah, so that's that. another huge <laughs> issue is, you know, people are like, oh, well, 
you know, I priced out material at my Home Depot and it should only cost me this. I'm like, yeah, your Home Depot. That's not my Home Depot. We have three Home Depots here and they're everyone has different pricing. It's yeah. like, oh, this the screws at this Home Depot are 10 cents more than the screws at that Home Depot. Tax. And it's because of whichever one's either. So one for us, one is located in Henderson. One is located in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And they're just different enough that one is more expensive than the other on certain items mm-hmm. and vice versa. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, it's like, um, it's like most, it, basically every county in Tennessee is within 0.25 to 0.5% uh, sales tax of each other. But yeah. 0.25 to 0.5 can make a huge difference going from county mm-hmm. to county and most people, or at least in East Tennessee, where I grew up, I mean, I could drive to three other counties within like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I had a, I lived Same in a here. big county, but they were all they were all on top of each other. Same here. Well, so, to me, yeah. I have two Home Depots nearby. So it's just kind of like whichever one I'm on my way going to work or from work or whatever, whichever one I happen to be going towards is the one I stop at. But I'll get people all the time, you know, because a lot of my sands are made from MDF. And people have tried to break down my costs that I quote them, which which is another customer thing that I run into is people will take my quote. They will, quote unquote, source the materials themselves to figure out how much I'm charging for labor or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're like, well my mdf is only four dollars a sheet i'm like that must be nice like it's not four dollars by me like i don't know where you're going right and on top of that they think that because i have a laser and it will run by itself once i program everything they're like well because the machine does it for you your labor rate should be lower i'm like you're forgetting that it's a high-tech piece of machinery do you go to somebody that, you know, does custom fabrication and tell them because they own a water jet machine they should charge you less? No, because you still have to pay rent and tax and everything like, like that. It's like you on still have wear and tear on the machinery. You have the electricity to power the machinery. You have all these other systems that work with the machine. Every one of them is a failure point. It's like if I lose the exhaust fan during a project or something, that's you know a $400 expense it's like I don't do that per customer but you have to account for wear and tear on your machinery right and you know depreciation and all that other stuff and I think people just don't get that they're like oh well I can go buy a shape oko and make my own sign go ahead do it yeah spend three thousand thirty five hundred dollars up front and I've told people that lose like six weeks of trying to figure out what the hell you're doing with it yep well, I've had people do that where they're like, well, I can make my own then because your price is too high. And then they come back to me later and they say, well, you know, could you get your price down to here? Because I've just been having problems with mine. I'm like, my <laughs> price is my price. It's not my fault that you thought you could do it on your own. And then it's blowing up in your face. Like, I try to be nice to everybody. But if you undermine what I'm doing up front and you're a jerk about it. It doesn't make me want to work with you. And I have no problem telling people no. So do you ever 
Are you ever willing to negotiate with customers on price, either one of you, or yeah. are you always like, yeah. this is my starting out rate, like I will never go below that? Well, I don't go below my starting out rate, but if there's a sign that's similar to one I've made before, and I quoted it at the same price as the one I've made before, and there's somebody that either is looking at ordering two or they are looking at having other things made as well, I will work with them on price. Or if it's like a fellow maker that I've talked to for a long time and I'll usually work with them a little bit more. I'll but, do bundle deals. Hmm? I'll do like a bundle deal. Like if you're going to buy yeah. like two of the same thing, like yeah. especially if you're going to have extra material anyways. Then. Exactly. Because sometimes I, the material will cover both. Right. But if I yeah. if they're only buying one, then that material's wasted. So sometimes, you know, I have no problem doing that. But I'm not going to go where it's like I give them a quote and they tell me I'm too high. And then they're like, will you do it for half the price? I'm like, no. Like, half the price is not even covering the materials. But I've also had people like, oh, I want this matte black acrylic and I want to pay $100 for the <laughs> sign. I'm like, the material cost $100. Like, I don't think you guys realize how expensive acrylic is. It's expensive. But they come back and they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have somebody else do it. Go ahead. Like, you're not going to find somebody with cheaper acrylic. Like, <laughs> I was surprised by the price when I was doing those labyrinth mazes. I was getting acrylic to put on the top to keep the ball bearings in there. And I was—I don't think you saw it, Stephen, because Trevor and I were going back and forth, and it didn't work okay. out. Okay. I remember. I remember um, the the ball bearing mazes because I was yeah. I was very interested yeah. in them. So uh, that hasn't worked out yet. But so Trevor was saying You'll he would there. cut the acrylic for me, and because I was going to have to do it by hand, he's like, "You're going to hate your life doing it by hand." I was like, "I hate oh, my life no. after buying this acrylic. It's so expensive." No, I've, I've so, cut a, yeah. acrylic to replace windows, and that's just like square cuts, and oh, I hated it. Yeah. it I really messy. hated it. It doesn't leave a clean edge. And even then, you, it depends on the acrylic you buy, too. So for laser cutting signs, I buy cast acrylic that's quarter inch thick. And it, it's not cheap. It's like for a 12 by 24 inch sheet, it's usually like $25. A piece of MDF that size is like maybe seven. Yeah, I mean... But people see, but then I give them a price because most of the time I give them, this is an MDF price, this is an acrylic price, and the acrylic is sometimes, you know, $150 more because of the size of the sign. And they're like, why is the acrylic so much more expensive, blah, blah, blah. And lately, I will actually send them a link to the acrylic supplier I use because <laughs> I am so tired of people assuming that I'm trying to gouge them that I send them the link, they look at it, and they're like, why is that acrylic so expensive? I'm like, I'm the one that is also paying that price. I don't know. Like, there's only so many suppliers that have this material. I don't know what you want me to say. So I had a lot of um, back and forth this week, too, about do you have your clients sign, like, contracts or agree to pricing? And then so like say you send off mm -hmm. an estimate for a sign yep. and then they say, oh, no, we can't do it right now. 
three weeks later they can come back and say okay i'm ready do you adjust your pricing at that point because your materials may be a different different price and how does that conversation look like so if the material's the same i keep the price the same if the material jumped up for some reason usually material cost for like acrylic and mdf doesn't drastically change like it's not going to go from five dollars to like 50 or yeah, something ridiculous right. that'd be something that steve and i steven and i would go through though yeah like yeah like it's more like oh it went from five dollars a foot to seven dollars a foot yeah this is why whenever i can if if i do have it built into the budget um i'll always buy more product i mean especially if yeah. i'm getting a good deal on it like the 12 dollars a board foot for the olive wood uh was actually their cheaper rate it was on sale it was normally 1650 a board foot for olive wood from this particular supplier but i i always keep some on hand just in case i come up to that point because i don't want to lose a customer necessarily because my goods have gone up a mm -hmm. little bit and it's going to skew the price a little too much yeah well, it, sometimes... I don't, i'm just still in that i'm i guess i'm still in that zone to where i would rather have a happy customer and lose a little bit on the back end than not mm -hmm. have a customer at all well and there's some people that um you know i'll i'll tell them in the quote or whatever this price is good until this date so i give it like a 30-day window or something that's good i started giving it a seven seven well, day well, window. For mine, yeah, Lord. yeah for mine usually it's like because at the time i was getting uh requests for quotes from like 15 people so I can't do 15 signs in seven days anyway. So if they do it within 30 days, I'm usually okay with it. And even then, once once they do it, um, I either have them pay the full thing up front, or if it's a big order, it's at least a 50 to 75% deposit. So I'm covered. But I have made signs where, you know, whatever the profit margin was, would cover more material. So like Steven said, I just bought a bunch of material all at once. And then every sign after that, I still account for the material cost, but I don't have to worry about it increasing during that project. Yeah. 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 So here's one I have for you too. Oh shoot. Is in my head. To okay. If you, what are, what kind of, I know time frames are relative. I know, mm -hmm. you know, an MDF sign, it's not going to take too terribly long. I've seen you batch out MDF signs pretty quick, Trevor. Martina, I know it's relative based on your furniture. Do you put timelines in your quotes? You know, I, it's going to take me X amount of time. I do. Mm -hmm. So, but I give it a broader window than I expect just in case I run into any issues. And Same then if I do happen to like run having into any issues, I plan to break down. What's mm -hmm. that? Like having a planer breakdown and that's your primary the primary exactly. tool you need yeah. <laughs> nightmare planer um so Stupid one of the rigid. last console tables i made um it needed epoxy in it and then my pumps for the epoxy broke which oh you need the right I ratio of, like it yep. wasn't enough to like pour out like ounces of it you know what i mean so i needed the pumps to be able to do it and the pumps broke and then total boat sent me out replacements and they are the wrong ones and so i had to wait oh, no. again so just waiting for pumps for the epoxy took about three weeks so with like 
oh, it's broken, send one out. Oh, now I need mm-hmm. another one and everything. So that's out of my six-week timeline. I'm still on like day three of the build. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I just, I put like a pretty big window and then I tell them that, you know, ta- like everything's subject to change. Either I'll finish early or I'm going to finish a little bit later, but I'm going to keep you posted along the way. Yeah. But I don't try, like I, a couple makers were saying they provide almost daily updates on their project. Oh, wow. I definitely... So- don't do that. I don't do daily. I do weekly. I mean, and my if... time frames are usually three to four weeks is usually what I tell them. Because even though an MDF sign looks like it doesn't take a long time, the sanding and painting and prepping, like Martina was talking about, it takes forever because you have to wait for each layer to dry. And if you try to do it without it completely dry, it will f up the entire sign yes yeah when you spray you when you spray paint onto wet paint unless it's formulated that yeah. way it ruins the paint it will unadhere yeah. the the base layer and then you have like that sign i did for new tide contracting where the template ended up gluing down to the background yes and it ruined the entire thing which is it was in my time frame when i did that and then as soon as that happened and i had to start over my time frame went out the window. So I messaged the person. And I said, look, this is what happened. I'm not happy with the result. I don't want to send it to you this way. If you don't mind waiting, you know, the one to two more weeks, I'm going to completely redo it and make it, you know, the way it should have been before that template got glued down. And most of the time, as long as I'm up front and forward about, any issues I run into because I messaged them like 10 minutes after it happened. And anytime I've been up front, the person is understood and they're like, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah. I, th- I think that makes a huge difference when you're telling your client customer that you're trying to make it perfect for them. Mm-hmm. Like I think they respect that a lot and I don't, I haven't had negative feedback yeah. yet when I've had to tell someone about a delay. When I've told people up front, I'm like, look, this sign has a blemish in this area. And I, sometimes I give them the choice. So sometimes I say, look, this is what happened. This is what it looks like. I show a picture. I say, you know, I'm not 100% okay with it, but I'll leave it up to you. If you're on a tight time frame and you really want it right now, you can accept it as it is. Or if you're willing to wait, I'll completely redo it. So some some have said they're okay with it. It's not a big deal. You know, it's handcrafted, so it gives it character. And then other people have said, you know, I'd like you to redo it. And I, yeah. I mean, it's not their fault that stuff happens during the build. So no, and that's what I've normally I've normally followed that sort of time frame. Um, you know, if something happens, just be honest with them. Mm-hmm. Most customers will understand. You have some customers that won't, and I think that's you know that's a smaller percentage of customers are the people that don't understand or they don't agree with you. They don't really work with you. They pay for something and they they expect it to be one hundred percent exactly what they want when they want it done for the cheapest rate. But most people are willing to work with you because they understand that things are not perfect all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I just started pretty much, my new slogan is custom takes time. So Mm -hmm. if they say, 
you know, why are you giving this project? It's, you know, just a side table. Why are you saying it's going to take six weeks? And I just say custom takes time. Like that's literally. And then I think a lot of them actually respond really well to that because then it's like, oh, I am getting a custom piece of furniture. Like this is meant for my space. This is I picked out the colors. I picked out the finish. Okay, that makes sense. And you know, one thing that I have trouble with is because all my stuff is shipped and shared on IG, I have gotten customers who try to find the loophole of they will contact somebody I've made a sign for before. And ask how much they paid. And how ask how much they paid. And then they'll come back to me with a sign design that's twice as complex. And they'll be like, well, you charge this person this much. Why are you charging me so much more? And I'm like, I'm not even going to do this. Like, if, you, if you're going to do that, to me, that, that says that to me you don't respect my work. I'm not going to gouge you on pricing. Like, all my pricing is fairly, you know, standard. Like, I don't say, oh, because you're this person, I'm going to charge you double. Like, I don't do that. It's like if you want a 12 by 24 inch sign and yours is going to be four layers, theirs was two layers, yours is 10 colors, theirs is two colors, that's a drastic difference in complexity. And I explain all of that. I'm like, this is what theirs was. This is what yours would be. And then they're like, well, you still charge that person less, so I'm just not going to go to you. I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, cool. I, yeah. if, some, you're, if you want to cool. do just that, get a, that's get a crappy okay. sign from a, from a crappier person i was like i've had multiple people that make signs message me about how i glue templates down or how i glue the letters down with a template and they're like how on earth do you do that without gluing the template down I'm like tons of practice <laughs> like i've glued 15 templates down before i've just gotten better at it but people will do that they'll try to work around you and find out how much other people paid or the fact that you know this person lives in California, which is right over the border for me. And this person lives in Maine. Like the shipping cost is different. There's all kinds of different reasons. I've taken on projects and then they'll want some, like a whitewash finish or whatever. And it's a new way of me doing it. And I quote them the price and then I deliver the item and I'm like, yeah. So what you paid for this, uh, it's never going to happen again. So if your friends ask how much, like add whatever amount of dollars onto it, because this was a learning experience for me and that was so time consuming, I can't afford to ever do it at this price again. And they're like, oh, I, you know, like appreciative that I still Mm -hmm. did it for them. But I'm like, just because people talk about that, like how much did you pay for your item? Are they charging me more and everything? And I just don't want to have to eat that cost again. And I don't mind explaining it to the customer like, hey, that's the first time I used it. And I now know I can't do that again. But Mm -hmm. I feel like it doesn't look as good coming from me. Like this is why they got charged it versus like their friend knowing right off the bat, like this is what happened. Well, and the same thing happened with the that sign that I put the LED lighting in, like I I charged less to do that than I would now because it was my first time trying it. I wasn't sure how long it would take to do it. And like you said, you just can't do it for that price again because of the time involvement. And I, again, I have no problem explaining that to people either. But some people are really good at being a customer and then you have the people that 
no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how, you know, customer centric you're trying to be, like you could give them a 95% discount and they'd still be unhappy. They're just that kind of customer. And the, and you that's, get those. And that's, that's, they exist. I mean, that may be, we might have to ask uh, Mrs. Mrs. Naughty and see what the statistics are, but I imagine that's maybe 10 to 15% of your overall customers are just yeah. people that are automatically going to give you a one star because yeah, they're right. that type of person. I just, and you you, gave, the you that... gave them a five star product and you're going to give you a one star review because yeah. they're just that person. Or you and, give them the product and then they want to return a custom handcrafted made only for them product. So I started putting on, this is what I, part of my 2019 goals that I only gave you a couple, but I had a longer list for the actual <laughs> business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave you the achievable ones too. Um, the smart so, goals. <laughs> yeah. So, but part of it was to like get an estimate template that I can fill out for every customer when I'm sending off quotes and everything. And, I need to and do it that has too. terminal like terms to the agreement. So pretty much like I want a 10% deposit just to hold your place in my build queue. And then because some weeks, you know, you get six inquiries or whatever, four of those move through, like how do you like and then by the time you get to that fourth person they've changed their mind so then you lost out on you know what i mean like you don't want to lose out on money so i've had people start so in it now says that they're going to put a deposit to hold their spot with an estimated start time of their build and then i also put in there no refunds on the deposit because that spot could have gone to somebody else Mm -hmm. or no refunds on custom goods so yeah. by them paying the deposit, they're agreeing to all those listed conditions. Well, and there's one that I think there's one that needs to be added from my experience, which is limit the number of design changes that right. are included. And then right. every design change after that is X amount. Cause sometimes people are like, Oh, can you just do this one little thing? And then that happens 10 times. I think it's yeah. a little different for your work versus either Steve's yeah. work or my work because a lot of people are just showing me this is what the, I want the piece of furniture to look like but I want this stain instead yeah. so I'm pretty much building off of what they want and not something as custom as like a specific logo like yours yeah so I haven't had that much me... of an issue with revisions well and I've had people that they'll give me like a pixelated JPEG image that's like an inch by an inch so when you blow it up it looks horrendous. And they're like, it looks, that's it all looks I like have. an 8 bit Super Mario yeah. background. And they're like, that's all I have to work from. I'm like, well, it's going to cost X amount on top of the sign just to design the logo. But when I do that, I say, I will send you the vector file of your logo so that if you get asked for it in the future, you already have it. Yeah, you're like, already... I include that as part of the benefit of me having to redo it. Because it's not an insignificant thing, but not at all. Not I, at I think all. it's just if you if you don't know anything about the graphic world, you're not gonna know that you know it takes hours to design a logo, even to trace it. Like sometimes it takes hours. There's all kinds of things, but I need to do that too, because not only not only is it easier from like a you have a template to start from. But for me, because it's all kind of signs, I want to start one that's more of a building block 
form that I could put on a website and it says, you know, you want this size and it'll be this cost. If you enter your number of colors, that gives you a cost. Enter your number of layers, gives you a cost. So they can kind of get an idea of what the sign price is going to be. Because I think a lot of, so I've wasted probably hours upon hours breaking down quotes for people and why it is what it is. And as soon as I give them the price, they're like, yeah, that doesn't work. But then I have other people I've learned over the time where I say up front, you know, ballpark, looking at it, not knowing anything about the file, this is your starting range. Like, it'll be somewhere in here, and it could be a pretty big window. Like, it might be three to $600. And I'm like, I can do a completely refined quote for you and get it to be what you want or, like, where it needs to be, but know that it's going to be somewhere in this range. It could be 300 It could be 600 I don't know until you send me the file. And yeah. if they say that's out of my range, I'm like, well, that's, I understand, but it saves me the time of having gone through all that to find out at the end that they were never in that price range to begin with. Yeah. Right. So I've start like when I go do measurements or like anything like a consult or anything, and I will not throw out any numbers at all on site. And that makes sense. At all. No, on no, site. never do that. Just because I don't said it could be around $200 and it's like, yeah, but unfortunately I can't source materials that cheap after all and the amount of time it's going to take. Like, so I just started going in there and saying, just so you know, you're not going to get yeah. any idea of pricing at all tonight, um, but I will get back to you. And then I think I just need to get better at giving a deadline of when they could receive a quote for me. But Well, even if I you give them a deadline. Right. It's, forget that you gave them a deadline right <laughs> but i think now that i'm like less afraid to send um a quote off especially now that i was able to sit and do all those terms into my contracts and everything i feel yeah. a little bit more protected as being self-employed and a small business owner yeah makes sense yeah all right and before we wrap it up let's this is this is one that i do in my professional job because i do I mean, do have to quote a lot of things. Or not quote, but write proposals for things. If you see a customer is really needing something done and you know that they're going to be difficult to work with, they're going to either want a bunch of revisions or change orders, things like that, would you go ahead and bump up your price just to see, okay, let's just, I, I don't want this work sort of a thing, which I know is kind of hard to say for a small business owner, mm -hmm. but it's like, all right, if I really don't want to deal with this person, I really don't want this work, but if I do have to deal with them, I'm going to get paid for it. I, I'm going to definitely get paid for it. Will you do that? I do that in my professional job because there are certain things, I mean, there are a lot of things that are regulatory based that so they have to, they have to get it done regardless, mm -hmm. but they may not necessarily have to get me to do it. But if they do, they're going to pay me to do it. Well, have you ever listened to Gabriel Iglesias on Netflix's comedy? Many, many so, times, but I don't, so I just, I don't this, know what you're referencing, though. So he has this part in his comedy where like, they wanted him to perform in the Middle East, and he said, give oh, him some yes, ridiculous some number. Some ridiculous number, And yeah. then his manager's like, ridiculous called. So, yes, to a point. So if they have this unrealistic... Oh, I want this custom sign. Oh, can you have it done in a week? 
I will charge more for that because it's an expedited. Oh yeah, thing. but that's what they're paying for—is it to be expedited? Correct. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there and and we and we—it's funny. Once you can normally weed out a good customer versus a bad customer, just based on that. Because in my day job, I have lab—I have to do laboratory stuff, and labs mm-hmm. have different rates. And there, and you know, I have a customer who says, "I need—I need to know tomorrow. I need to know exactly tomorrow because we need to get this done." And then you tell them the twenty-four hour rush. Because my time is, you know, roughly going to be the same if I do it today, yeah, and get lab results tomorrow, or if I do it today and get lab results in a week, I'm still doing the same work. I still got to write reports, still got to do the field work. But once they see how much the lab's going to cost, they're like, "Oh, well, it doesn't have to be done tomorrow." Yeah, you're like, yeah. "Well, okay, let's find us, you know, let's find a reasonable thing." I'm like, "I can do the work tomorrow, and then we can work on trying to get you the lab at a better time." But yeah, there's some people that, and I think we've all done this, where we know that they're going to be difficult to deal with. Pain, just going to be a pain, painful customer. And I will, and if it's something that I'm like, you know what, I don't really want to do it. Like it's definitely within my realm of possibilities. It's still aligned with my brand, but maybe it's like the time frame is ridiculous or... They want the, a twenty layer sign that's like ten yeah, feet long. Yeah, correct. So, I will typically pull the the ridiculous card and give them some price that I would be it'd be hard pressed to say no to at that point. Like it's it'd like be a I price really, where I'm like, I okay, could really I need use to do a new that. joiner, and this would pay for it yeah. right, right off the bat. But, and I've had people say, "Yeah, go ahead and do it." I'm like, okay. You and then you have chief. other people that are like, well, I don't really need it within a week. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't think you did. But it gives you the breathing room. Because if they, if they really do need it, they're willing to pay for it. If they really don't need it and they just want it that fast, that's where you'll find out. Like, yeah. if you normally sell a sign for 300 bucks, and then they're like, oh, I need it in a week. It's eight feet long. I have to outsource it. It's multiple layers. It's LED lit. Like all of a sudden that time goes to like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Like I'm going to make you really decide if you need it that fast. And and the thing is, or at least in my in my day job, those customers have ended up being good repeat customers. Yeah. If I can get it done in the time frame, because money is not the issue, they've got other time. They've got other things they need to do. Yeah. Money is not the issue for them. Time is the issue. You can't. You can't buy more time, but you can always buy things, you know, you can you can get things done quicker if you pay more. And they have been, most of the time, they've ended up being good repeat customers, and they will not have to be the repeat customer that's, I need it in a week. Yeah. You know, something that normally takes a month, I need it in a week sort of a thing. But sure. I've had the cases, probably the 10 or 20%, where it's like, I need to know something tomorrow. I do it for them one time, and then after that, I never hear from them again. And then they, then I see them using the cheapest guy out there for the rest of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the cheapest, guy, the cheapest guy and everybody in between me and the cheapest guy couldn't do it in a week, and I'm the only person that could. Yeah. I think I just need to, I think we all just need to learn that it's okay to break up with the customer, though. Oh that, yeah, no, no, that's that's that, the straight you know, truth. I, I just, think that's the hardest part is that you you know it's like oh, but the but I could make this much money off of them. I I think in the end it's definitely not worth it. 
like well and there's you there's have to you have to feel line. it out with the customer i mean that's a that's right. a one-on-one thing you can't get from anyone else you have to feel out the customer and really truly figure out why they're asking you to do this mm-hmm. okay i need a i need a buffet table before thanksgiving and it's the week of thanksgiving okay that's probably you know they should have talked about it earlier but they've got a legit thing they have a they're having a whole family's worth of people over they need that extra table space okay and then you've got the customer that's like i want this entire room refinished because my wife doesn't like it and i need all new furniture and all new drapes and all this all do this this and that oh yeah she's on vacation until mm-hmm. the end of the week can you get it done by then yeah that's a little different that's just somebody that's had really poor planning well just keep one thing in mind no matter what price you're at, somebody will always go lower. And there's always someone that'll go higher. Because there are retired people that just want something to do. That's and true. they will charge for just materials. Or the, even some side hustlers are like that too. Yeah, there's always well, somebody there's, that there's will do There's always the shysty guy that's got, you know, he's got a he's got a truck full of tools that he bought at mm-hmm. pawn shops, you know. And uh, and he's just he's he yeah. needs that extra cash. He needs to make sure that he you know he plays the ponies on the weekend, and he needs he needs it to play big. Some customers will pin you against other customers, like other suppliers, well, and you just say, "I don't play that sh- game." Don't, no, I don't. I don't go I'm that, not going to get shopped. Yep. The good news is, in my area, furniture restoration it's going to be hard to shop. There's not very many yeah, people do furniture true. restoration now. Martina, what you do, building the tables and stuff like that, I could get shopped. Shoot, there's five guys probably within 10 minutes of me that I could get shopped for on a table. Oh, same here. Like you look on Facebook Marketplace and it's, you know, the Craig jigged tabletop and everything like that. Yep. And they're like eight foot table, $150 delivered. Mm-hmm. Go with them. That's yep. cool. That's fine. Cool. You you have fun with your table that'll, that's going to last three years because more than likely they chose the worst pine that they could find. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but then that's when I try okay and sell myself of, of this is this is what I can offer, and this is why like this is why I'm worth this price. So yeah. now you can make the decision. But I think that's what you have to do is just this is what I have to bring to the ta- what I'm able to bring to the table. Now it's up to you. Mm-hmm. So I think we're gonna have to do a part hands. two episode on this because I don't think we're done either. <laughs> no, I don't think we are either. But we're coming up. I mean, it's gonna be like it's an hour and a half an hour. episode. It's yeah. gonna be an hour and a half episode. So. Sorry for rambling. Does that mean I can come there. back for episode a fourth episode? I think we're gonna have to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure well, I mean, you're gonna be the the hey, the number one co-host. I'm just trying to help you guys so, knock off things on your goals because you wanted guests we, this this year. We true, may, true. We may need to have the second episode also have your wife, so that she oh, brings okay. in a non-maker oh, that's true. perspective, a non-maker perspective, and someone that literally gets paid to do this every day just handle customers all right okay here's the one question i have to ask though what like is she dealing with general public or is she Mm -hmm. like in some okay so like retail customer service or what you say i'm sorry you cut out what i'm sorry like retail customer service or service yeah like clothing oh oh she's dealing with the worst oh Oh, yeah she (laughs) just got off of holiday season too so Yeah. Oh, she's gonna have all sorts of stories. All right, oh, so yeah. you, oh, yeah. Yeah. you and Mrs. Naughty line out a time, and we're just gonna we're just gonna blast her with questions. We line don't even need up. to talk. She just 
She'd just tell us holiday stories, and that would be great. That's the whole hour just in holiday stories right there. Just hol- so, horrible people at the holiday. <laughs> of this holiday, especially. Yeah. So, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, until we do the repeat episode. Until we and do we stay we'll tuned. Yes, we'll do we'll do follow up to customer Stay service. But if people have customer questions, they yeah, can just, always ask any one of us. Yeah, they can ask any one of us. And I did have a non listener give me their podcast or not podcast. They given me their their 2019 goals. Do they want them added nice. to the website? They do. Ooh. They do. They do. I will send you the message. Okay. Sounds yeah, good. it's because Stephen doesn't they're pretty good to the website. Hmm. <laughs> 2019 goal. He's only got the whole 12 months to teach me how to use the website. Well, in order to make the goals I did, you also need to learn Illustrator. So, Oh. What's Illustrator? Because the website does not have the ability to make those little blocks with the goal in the middle. Why can't we just use C++ like everyone else does? Because I don't know C++. <sighs> For shame. That's the chisel and the um, stone tablet, by the way. No, 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 no. It is now. It's not that old. It's not that old. C++ uh, that programming language is pretty old. Shut up. I'm pretty old. I think I think, really. I think actually we're all I think we're all I think the same, we're all the same age. age. Yeah. We're pretty close to each other. Anyway, I'm I'm smart enough not to ask a lady her age though. Uh, 31 a... next weekend. Thank you. Oh, oh, I'm so older I'm than old. you are. I yeah. okay, so we're both older. Than, okay. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you. Yes, happy early birthday. We'll probably be, if we're doing a follow-up, I think we'll be recording for my birthday. That would be awesome. There you go. That would be awesome. All right. Well, you guys have fun. Enjoy the rest of your day because it is almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon for me. You got chores. Get to it. Yep. Have fun. Adios. Thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com. We'll post valuable resources, tips, and info about anything we've talked into, talked about in today's shows or past shows. And all these things are to help your maker vision become a maker reality. If you have any questions or suggestions or any comments about what you heard today or, once again, in previous episodes, feel free to drop us a line at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at makervisionpodcast, or through mine and Trevor's personal Instagram accounts, and that is Old South Woodcraft or Maker Experiment. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and uh, and just some really nice words to, to let us know how good we're doing. Or if you didn't like it, let us know what you didn't like about it. Either way, we're happy to hear from you. And you can go and do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we really look forward to hearing hearing from you next week. 